welcome to episode 493 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio. I'm Derek M. Cook, your writer, host, and producer, and you are, insert your name here. How's everybody doing? I'd like to welcome you to the show. Now, this show is going to be a little different, and that's because I suffered some pretty severe technical difficulties. I may have completely lost a recording that I was planning to run this week. So everybody, please keep your fingers and tentacles crossed that these recordings turn up somewhere. Now, this was going to make this episode a normal-sized episode of the show, but unfortunately, without it, I was left scrambling. And I looked through my Rolodex and sent up the monster signal thing and basically just reached out to whoever I could get my hands on. That even sounds weird. Basically just reached out to whoever I could find on Facebook really quickly. And I got Steve Turek to join me to talk a little bit about Halloween. But that's not all. Of course, we've got the regular segments that you've come to know and love here on the show. We've got Mark Matsky's amazing beta capsule review. If you want to know about Ultra Q, you're going to want to hear this. Also, Dr. Tongue is back with another segment about another cartoon. Just going to leave it at that. Kenny's taking the week off. He deserves a break. And well, since I can't, you know, give him a raise for all the good work he's been doing, I'm going to give him the week off. We also have some listener feedback that we'll get to here in a second. But first, I had a press release float across the Monster Kid Radio Central desk, and I'm going to fire up the Monster in the Machine and have it read it to you. Monos Returns, the long-anticipated sequel to Monos The Hands of Fate, is launching a pre-sale for a deluxe DVD edition of the film. Fans who place their pre-order before October 22nd will receive a special early bird price. A sequel to the cult classic Monos The Hands of Fate, Monos Returns focuses on a group of hapless travelers who get lost on a road trip and stumble into the sinister world of Valley Lodge. Monos The Hands of Fate premiered in 1966, was immortalized by Mystery Science Theater 3000, and is considered by many to be the worst movie of all time. In addition to Monos Returns, the deluxe DVD also contains several special features, including footage from Tom Naiman's appearance at the rap party, a commentary track, Torgo's audition tape, and many other treats. Monos Returns was co-produced by Jackie Neiman Jones, Debbie and the original Monos, award-winning Seattle filmmaker Tanya Atomic, award-winning Oregon filmmaker Joe Sherlock, and Seattle puppet artist Rachel Jackson. Directed by Atomic, Monos Returns takes place 50 years after the action of Monos, The Hands of Fate. Four friends get lost on a road trip and stumble on a hidden cult led by the sinister master and his servant Torgo. As they try to escape, they are caught up in the power struggle between Debbie who was given to Monos as a child 50 years ago, her mother Maggie, and the other souls twisted by their time serving the Dark God. The Monos Returns legacy cast features Naaman Jones, Tom Naaman, and Diane Marie Rissette, reprising their roles from the original Monos, plus Brian Jennings, the son of Monos cast member William Brian Jennings, taking over his father's role as the sheriff. Principal photography for Monos Returns took place in Falls City, Oregon, in July 2016, after raising production funds via a successful Kickstarter campaign earlier that year. Monos Returns premiered as part of the CryptoCon Seattle 2018 Film Festival. Go to monosreturns.com to pre-order your DVD now. No, that wasn't creepy at all. 
monosreturns.com is where you're going to want to go to pre-order your copy of the special edition DVD. And like the press release said, like that little creepy kid said, if you buy it or pre-order it before October 22nd, the price is only $17 plus $3.99 shipping and handling. It goes up to $20 plus shipping and handling after that. So you're going to want to get in on that. Now, I've seen Monos Returns. I really like it. I think it's really cool that they were able to get so many people from the original film back, including the master himself. How neat is that? Plus, they've really expanded upon the Monos mythos. It's no longer just this low-budget movie that everybody likes to laugh at. It is now kind of a twisted horror movie with some Lovecraftian overtones. I recommend it. And again, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to monosreturns.com. All right, let's get on to the rest of the show. I mean, I could stall here to kind of make the show a little bit longer than it will actually end up being, so it feels like a normal episode, but I don't want to waste your time. Once this picture sinks its fangs into you, you will never be the same. Touch your skin. It's scaled. Look for your legs. They're gone. Feel your body. It's cold. Don't say it. Hiss it. Plus, another spine-chilling hit. The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street. Vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. Annual Halloween party canceled. Haunted house shut down this season. Then come to the house party that no force can stop. The house of Frankenstein. The Supermates are throwing their annual bash, no matter what, and inviting some of your favorite horror stars. Lon Chaney Jr. Anyone who enters here without my permission will be considered a trespasser. Lionel Atwell. By heaven, I think you're a worse fiend than your father. Christopher Lee. Don't use long words, Inspector. They don't suit you. Evil and Anchors. We haven't been able to contact Count Alucard so far. Peter Cushing. I've told you before there are times when you shouldn't be alone. Bela Lugosi. He's mine. He don't belong to you. You go away. Barbara Shelley. There have been seven murders committed in the forest of Bandorf in the past five years. Basil Rathbone. But of course I know who did. Haven't you heard? The monster. Kiefer Sutherland. Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? And Boris Karloff. Plus a few party crashers. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No, it's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. And some amazing friends. Dragon thing. Let them take care of your friends, my dear. <laughs> I'll take the robot. You take the wolf thing. Good. I've always had a way with animals. So RSVP to fireandwaterpodcast.com, iTunes, or Spotify, and don't miss the one Halloween party you can count on to be scary in a good way, not the 2020 way. The House of Frankenstein. This is the feedback section of the show. We had two emails come in. They're basically about the same thing. So uh, put the kid away, monster in the machine, and just read the emails like normal, okay? Dear Derek and Monster Kids, Noah Prince of Podcasts, 
that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the gleaming cities, and the years of the rise of the sons of Arias, I was listening to the latest episode of Monster Kid Radio with Steve Turek, when you two got off on a tangent about the Conan movies, two of my favorite things, Tangents and Conan, and I know that it was an off-the-cuff idea but I love it. So, if you are tallying up votes I vote yeah, and I'm willing to help in any way possible, up to but not limited to crushing your enemies and listening to the lamentations of their women. If you are looking for a third movie to compare with Conan and Conan the Destroyer, how about 2009's Solomon Kane? Obviously, it has a different protagonist and is set in a different time, but they are connected by Robert E. Howard. I enjoyed being on a Conan panel at Wizard World with you, and if you chose to travel down this path of adventure, you have my sword, my dog brother. David from somewhere near Oleander, Oregon. Regarding the idea for an upcoming series of shows let me just say. Conan, 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 Conan. Thank you. Kevin S. We'll talk about these emails later on when I have Steve on to talk a little bit about, well, I don't want to play my hand too early, but we'll talk about these emails later on in the show. Thank you for writing in, guys. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503-810-5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. Queen of Blood. A tantalizing, mystifying enigma. We have a good supply of blood plasma with us. We'll use that to feed her. And if we run out of plasma, Commander? Stranger than the curse of the blood ghouls. In the dark of night, they leave their tombs to satisfy their need for blood. Because these demons of the undead can exist only by ravishing the living. powers of love, they enslave the unwary. Don't ever go away. Leaving on them the horrible telltale fang mark of the vampire.
life-devouring monsters in human form. They can be anywhere, everywhere. Louise! No one is safe. <laughs> Only by destroying them will a town gone wild with terror and fear be free of the curse of the blood ghouls. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. The setting of Episode 7 of Ultra Q is revealed in the title, SOS Mount Fuji, which was broadcast on February 13, 1966. While investigating increased volcanic activity in the Fuji Five Lakes region, Yuriko and Ipe meet a woman who tells them about the disappearance of her brother nearly 15 years prior. Later, Ipe spies a long-haired man in the woods who flees with incredible speed. The volcanic activity intensifies, resulting in a huge boulder's ejection from a nearby lake. However, this is actually the glowing heart of a quadrupedal rock monster, which is the true cause of the recent seismic activity. Yuriko and Ipe, along with pilot June, join a local search party and locate the wild man, who is, in fact, the brother of the woman they met early on. He may know the secret of defeating the rock monster, but what can one tiny human do against such a sizable foe? SOS Mount Fuji is a quintessential entry of Ultra Q, beginning with the gorgeous location scenes and dynamic camera work, and extending to the active inclusion of our trio of leads, Excellent work by the supporting cast, such as Dai Kanai's humble and heroic officer Yokoyama, and Subaraya Productions' special effects work. The lizard-like monster of stone named Gorgos, with its glowing heart and eyes, and inscrutable drive to destroy things, anticipates many an Ultraman opponent, and the monster has the unusual habit of roaring like both Godzilla and King Kong. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. unleashed shock spectacle of such scope and realism as up from the depths of prehistoric mystery rages Virgo. The headlines of the world blaze the fabulous story of this monster from another age, catapulted from some vast sub-ocean cavern by unprecedented volcanic action. And the headlines scream the story of the reckless skin divers who captured the monster and put it on exhibition. Sam! Pull out! Drop the nets! What do you think you're doing? Hey, take it easy. I can't let him go back to the sea where he belongs. Why? Maybe to save your silly skins for you. Hurry, hurry, hurry to see Gorgo. 
But the headlines do not record the story of a little boy who had a curious sympathy and understanding for the fantastic creature. What strange secret does he know that scientists only suspect? Are you trying to say there may be a fully grown one of these things around somewhere? How big would a full grown one be? An approximate guess. The infant. The adult. That would make it nearly 200 feet tall. Wreaking terrible vengeance against the civilization that has captured its offspring. Towering over the cities of the world as millions flee its awesome terror. Prepare! Prepare Nothing can stop it. Defying the force of the army. The might of the Navy. Try number one, Terry. Ready to open fire, sir. File one. Even the fury of the jets. In a crashing crescendo of sights never before beheld by human eyes and adventures never before experienced by any man or woman. a gorilla that's constantly growing to outlandish proportions loose in the streets. Conga, born of a scientist's dreams, bred on a madman's nightmares, brought out of the jungle and turned into a wild beast beyond man's understanding. I am your master and you must obey me. Now you no longer have any Starring Michael Goff as Dr. Decker, who stole the jungle secrets of sorcery to distill Satan's black magic in his own laboratory. Margot Johns as the girl who becomes an accessory to murder, with Claire Gordon as the young student. Trapped with a madman in a nightmare world of fear, jealousy and passion. Let me go! Sandra, you know I loved you! The jungle scene of color, excitement and spectacle is thrillingly mixed with the close mystery of strange insectivorous and carnivorous plants. See them, fear them, and feel the anger and the anguish of Jess Conrad in a picture charged with powerful emotion. You Conger, the most fantastic beast of all time. Not since King Kong has a screen exploded with such mighty fury and spectacle. In the new process of spectamation and Eastman color, he grows in size and terror before your eyes. In a film that fills the screen with giant entertainment. fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. 
King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, it's time for Dr. Tongue's 3D House of Vintage Monster Collectibles! Well, hello again to all you monster faithful out there, and welcome to another episode of Memories Gone By. Today, I'm looking into a mostly forgotten kids show from the 70s, forgotten by most due to the fact that a hit movie from the 80s stole the title from it, and I'm not talking about Ghostbusters. Not yet, at least. The Monster Squad was a live-action kids show that ran for one season, 1976 to 1977, on NBC Saturday morning. The premise was a fairly simple one. A criminology major takes a job at a wax museum as a night watchman and develops a crime computer conveniently hidden in a mummy's sarcophagus, to what else? Fight crime. Strangely enough, the cosmic radio vibrations from the computer bring to life the wax creations of Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, here referred to as Frank N. Stein, and the Wolfman, named cutely enough, Bruce W. Wolf. The W stands for where. The monsters, although apparently they are just wax recreations, seem to have the memories of the actual monsters and want to help man out in repayment for their past indiscretions against humanity. So they band together and become the Monster Squad. I hope no one wakes up old man McDougal and lets him know what's going on down at the wax museum. Wink! As the Monster Squad, the three ghoulies drove around in a nice late 70s custom Monster Squad black van and using portable personal radios, think CB radios worn on your belt, to communicate with Walt, here played by Love Boat's Fred Grandy, back at home base. After all, Walt had to stay and keep an eye on the museum. He is the watchman, right? But Walt almost always would join the monsters for the final battle at the end of the episode. The show really played out like a monster version of the 66 Batman TV show, only sillier. And what a coincidence, the creator of the show, Stanley Ralph Ross, was one of the main writers for the original 66 Batman. Over the course of that one season, the monsters fought many a costume villain. The Tickler, Ultra Witch, No-Face, King Fui, Mr. Mephisto, and many more. And like Batman, the Character Actor Hall of Fame parade was in full swing. Jonathan Harris, Julie Newmar, Sid Haig, Avery Schreiber, Marty Allen, and many others made an appearance on the Mostly Forgotten show. This show, like many a Saturday morning show of that period, had a merchandising blitz attached to it, although it was a limited run as it was canceled after one season. Some of the more common, and I use that word loosely as none of this stuff is easy to find, products that actually made it out into the public's hands was a board game by Milton Bradley, of course, they were the kings of Saturday morning board games, a miniature Monster Squad van by Ideal Toys, I have a beat to crap one and I love it, and a couple of Halloween costumes made by Collegeville, Drac and Bruce the Wolf. Some of the more desirable, now that word in collector circles means rare, scarce, and fairly expensive, are a set of bendies made by Carlin, a puzzle by HG Toys, and that uses an image of Julie Newmar as the Ultra Witch on it, oh, it's fantastic, and an activity book that Rand McNally published. 
There was a fair amount of merchandise that was shown in merchandising catalogs, but was never actually produced. If you'd like to see pics of this and more cool stuff from the past, head on over to the Plaid Stallions website. And let me warn you, if you do enter there, give yourself a fair amount of time and look around at all the cool stuff that they have. And I'm not just talking about the Monster Squad items. The Region 1 DVD set is out of print of this show, but if you have an all-region player, you can find a set fairly easily and affordable. Until next time, Monster fans, happy collecting, and keep that shiny side up. When the moon is full, the beast must die. One of you is a werewolf. You must track down the werewolf. One of these eight people is a werewolf. Can you guess which one? Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, Mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, and plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print, or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com, and support Steve's work through Patreon at HeySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again, and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. these murders and he's out of his mind. Didn't you get any sense out of him? No. Oh, he's raving about some sort of creature. Joe, <laughs> can you tell me what happened? <laughs> it was a horrible creature, sir, with huge eyes, sir. Oh, with the wings, the wings, sir. Oh, let me alone, let me alone. From this old house, some evil thing was spawned to bring terror to the surrounding countryside. What was Professor Malinger's gruesome secret? And how was his beautiful daughter involved? Look at that moon. Does it make you feel romantic? I don't need the moon to make me feel romantic. 
No. No. <laughs> First, you've got to catch me. Blood Beast Terror. Peter Cushing, Robert Fleming, Wanda Ventum, guest star Roy Hudd. What could have caused those injuries, Doctor? They could have been inflicted by some sort of animal. Bad Tom Gat's been missing for a week. <laughs> what kind of monster lived in this prison? What kind of creature brought terror to a whole community? <laughs> Steve Turk on the line from the Diecast Movie Podcast. He was recently on my show. I did a segment for his show that hasn't aired yet. What's up, man? How you doing, man? It's going great over here in, in lovely Maryland. Right on. Now, I know this is really last minute, spur of the moment, so we haven't had a lot of time to prepare. And I told you one thing, but I'm actually going to bring something else up in terms of what we're going to talk about real quick, because we got some email about Conan to the show, and I wanted to read it to you since I have you on here. Oh, go for it. Once you say Conan, you have my undivided attention. So this comes from listener of the show, Brian. Uh, he says, hey, Derek, Brian here with a note about the Howard talk in last week's episode. Red Sonia is indeed a Robert E. Howard character, although he only ever used her in one story. 1934's Shadow of the Vulture, published by Magic Carpet Magazine. Here, she's actually a Russian warrior fighting the Ottoman hordes for her sister, who's been taken into the harem of the Sultan uh, Suleiman. Decades later, Roy Thomas dusted her off, changed the Y to a J, and gave the character a new life in the incarnation we now know today. Now, in the early 1980s, along with fellow fantasy writer David Smith, Brian's friend Dick Tierney wrote a series of Red Sonja novels, returning the character to something closer to Howard's original vision. As he put it to me once, our first order of business was to get her out of that stupid metal bikini. Oh, and although it has a couple of neat set pieces and a cool monster design by Carlo Rambaldi, I'm right there with you on Conan the Destroyer. It's better than the Jason Momoa movie, but... That is some mighty faint praise to be damned by. Cheers, Brian. So we mentioned Red Sonia briefly when we had you on the show, when we were talking about something completely different. I'm assuming you knew this about Red Sonia. Yeah. And I did too. And I reached out to Brian and I brought that up and I told him that, yes, I know, but I didn't want to turn. I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, long hair of death. I didn't want to talk the long hair of death episode into a, well, actually this is what Robert E. Howard did with Robert, you know, I, just cause I could do that for like hours on end. <laughs> and that's not what people tuned into Monster Kid Radio for, or so I thought, because I actually got a handful of other people writing in saying Conan, Conan, Conan. But what can you say? I mean, Conan is one of the greatest literary creations in the history of literature. Wow. Okay. I mean, you think about it. Think about the, the, the longevity that people are still talking about and how it's been adapted into graphic novels or comic books sure. to movies to ho I think it's supposed to be coming up coming in uh, Netflix or something like that or Amazon Prime one of those and, on a TV show Netflix and, and it also yeah. was a cartoon I mean this 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 oh, character man. has had <laughs> I haven't even thought about the cartoon yeah. in forever so the character has had legs and it's just no 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 
He doesn't have legs. He has mighty thews. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things. It's just, I think a lot of people, you know, just enjoy this type of character and this type of stories and the world building that was done and has been augmented by other creators like Roy Thomas and so on. And it's just it's one of those things. It's a, it's a fantasy land that I think almost anybody that is a writer like such as yourself love to play. I will go as far as saying, and I don't know if this is a hot take considering who I'm speaking with and part of the audience anyway, but I will go as far as saying that without Conan, the state of modern fantasy fiction would not exist in the form that it does. And I'm not just saying because he came before Tolkien. I'm not just saying that. And there was fantasy obviously before Howard wrote Conan, but Tolkien was aware of Conan of Howard when he wrote Lord of the Rings. I just finished reading the biography of Gary Gygax, one of the co-creators of Dungeons and Dragons, and he went on record repeatedly saying that Lord of the Rings was okay, but I love Conan. So you look at all these things that have kind of led into what we're looking at now in terms of what fantasy is. I don't feel like you have it without Conan being there to inspire or kind of change the way we look at sword and sorcery or, or pulp fantasy or any of that. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but... That's the hill I'll die on. Like I said, I don't think it's a hot take. Like I already said it's established as one of, I think, as one of the greater creations in literature, you know, because um, it still holds up. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't other great creations. I'm just saying it's one of them. I mean, there, there's some. There's, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's the end all be all, yeah. but it was the first. Well, I mean, <laughs> at least it was the first in this particular way. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and it's just one of those things I just remember growing up reading the black and white. Marvel magazine, Conan, the Savage Sword of Conan, I think it was called back then. And um, then you got the color comic book one where you're just like, oh, it's even more. And the artwork was just amazing. And then, of course, as a young lad, Conan the Barbarian comes out with Arnold. And I mean, what can you say? Is it an exact adaptation? No. But was it fun? Is it great? In my humble opinion, yes. Yeah, and and I know, yes, you know, through modern eyes, there's some problematic stuff, whatever. But the thing is, it's an exciting, I don't know, thing. It was, it's, it's a paradigm shifting type of uh, literature that was happening around that time, anyway, with Howard and Lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith and all this amazing stuff that was happening at the time. You know what? That's not why I wanted to call you and talk to you on the show today, but I did want to bring it up because there is a lot of support to talk about Conan here on the show. So we'll do it at some point. Once we get done with Halloween stuff, once the dust settles, Corbin Barbarian here, uh, Destroyer in your show. And uh, yeah, we'll have the entire Turk clan over there. Uh, and, and speaking of the clan, there's our transition. There's our segue. It's like you've been a podcaster for a while. You know how to do this now. You set this up. I throw, I throw the fastball down the middle. Whether you can hit it or not, it's a different thing. But if we tell you it's there, I mean. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it is baseball playoffs <laughs> after all. What what's that? Uh, it's a thing where people take a stick and they hit a ball. <laughs> Sports ball. I got it. Okay. So the real reason I wanted to chat with you real quick is with the state of the world, the corona apocalypse, the pandemic, the vid, whatever you want to call it now, Halloween is looking like it's going to be very different this year. I'm just curious. How is it affecting you? What are your Halloween plans this year? And are they any different than what they've been over the past, I don't know, how many years you've been doing Halloween stuff with your family? It won't be any different from this year from what we probably had done the year before and the year before that because my children are 17 or older in age. So it's not like they're the, the trick-or-treating age. And where we live in the, uh, the country area of Maryland, you don't get trick-or-treaters. 
when I was growing up in Baltimore City, ages five to 20, my brothers and I would go door to door and go trick or treating, you know, the porch lights on, that kind of stuff. But ever since I've been married and living out there in the country, when we went trick or treating, we would put the kids in the car and you'd drive to different relatives' houses and you'd end up visiting them for 15, 20 minutes or so. They'd have goodie bags already set up for the kids. And one of the years I made a mistake about what costume to wear. I was wearing a full Winnie the Pooh costume. Well, you only have your face exposed, so you have like the whole thing. Everything's Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Michaela mm-hmm. was Tigger. And Ben, who was just a baby, was a honeypot or a bee. I can't remember if it was a honeypot or a bee. And we go to their great, great aunt's house, which is like the, there are twins and a younger sister who all live there. And they're all in their 70s or 80s. And the house was 95 degrees, it felt like. I'm dying in that poo suit. And for all those people that work at Disney World and wear those costumes and they're out there in that Florida sun, those people don't make enough money. That's that that was that was. so be careful when choosing your costumes. Remember where you're gonna be going and what you're gonna be doing because it could be good or bad. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, pretty much because they're all grown, I mean we, we celebrate Halloween at home. Michaela for the longest time around Halloween, but this of course today's Halloween's on a Saturday that we're doing it this Halloween. She watches two movies with her grandmother and um, one of them is hocus pocus they want they've been watching it every year for uh, 15 20 years now and the other one is that halloween movie that everybody always thinks about meet me in st louis okay she always tells me because i always forget that they watch halloween they watch meet me in st louis i'm like why do you watch meet me in st louis or halloween because what it takes place all year in their life, and it, it, they have that whole scene where it's Halloween. Yeah, but okay. but hey, it works for them. So the two of them like to watch those two things. So they'll still so for Michaela, this Halloween is going to be the same as it's been for last several Halloweens. She'll still dress up and those kind of things. I think um, I might watch Arsenic and Old Lace with Cary Grant. Oh, okay. And enjoy my Halloween that way. See if I can talk the wife into watching it. She's not much into horror, but I mean, Arsenic and Old Lace is very mild horror at all and it, it's more comedy it fits more with her movie going experiences nobody's perfect that's okay steve you're trying to tell me my my, my wife is not perfect i'm not going to go on uh, you I'm know i'm not going to be recorded saying that she's not i'm not you could say it but to me karen if you're listening which i i severely doubt but you are perfect dear you are the perfect one you know i opened my mouth and that fell out and then i realized what i just said <laughs> dude I'm sorry. I'm, uh, you can. You're entitled to your opinion. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, she's perfect. Hey, I've never even met the woman, <laughs> dude. <laughs> she went the monster bash with me last October. Oh yeah. Yes. So she actually has experienced the monster bash. She enjoyed the restaurants that we went to, and she enjoyed having the nice, relaxing stay of the weekend. She told me she would have came this year for this October's monster bash, except of course with the current events, it canceled, and. um but she was like, you don't have to give me a ticket for the bash. You know, we can just go out to eat and I can just relax in the room and go use the pool and stuff like that. She looks at it for a totally different thing, a chance to relax and enjoy the fall. And um, we get to spend time together each of those nights. So uh, with, with Michaela going off and doing that, what do you and Ben do? Uh, ben, I'm not sure what he's going to do. He, he might watch one of the Halloween movies. He might watch something like that. He and Patrick might watch some Scooby-Doo. Patrick, um doesn't really like any horror films i did this to him a few months back where um 
I downloaded the Halloween theme from the movie from John Carpenter's Halloween. I remember you telling us about this at Bash. <laughs> yeah, and and I'd play I'd play it around and, and scare him because he'd get scared. And then he goes, "I'm going to have trouble sleeping at night." I said, "That's okay." At two in the morning, I'll go by your door and I'll play the song again. <laughs> what a dad. <laughs> yeah i still don't think he's forgiven me and i'll know when i get older and he's putting me in the home i'm sure i'm going to get the worst of the two home the mom will get the good home and dad will get here's the shed dad <laughs> the shed. <laughs> right on well i've asked you a couple of times what you guys are doing for halloween but you never gave me the right answer the right answer is you're tuning into the monster kid movie club oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man no it's all good man i hope that the halloween does everything that it needs to for you i know with the vid and everything it's kind of shutting down a lot of plans but it sounds like you guys already have your thing set up where you don't have to do a lot outside the home so you're set man i appreciate you taking the time to do this and 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 chatting with me for a few minutes for a show that's going out uh in less than 12 hours (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, no problem, my friend. And since we're talking about you coming to join in my show, our, and you said you're contributing to one of our episodes that hasn't dropped yet. As soon as Ben's done his um, midterms, we'll be starting our year two of Diecast Movie Podcast, where we drop the review part of our title and switch to Diecast Movie Podcast. Yeah, I don't even say review anymore, man. I, I, I like, I, I, yeah, I'm right yeah, there. You broke news at the la- that last episode because people were calling. Some people are contacting me. It's like, oh, is, is Derek wrong? Are you changing your name? Oh, did I did I say something I shouldn't have no, said? No, did no, I? no. It, <laughs> it actually means people are paying attention. <laughs> to what my <laughs> actually knew what the name of my podcast originally was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mad, 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 mad world. Is the episode mm-hmm. you contributed part with your with your monster kid? flair to it and we had a lot of other contributors it'll be a crazily long podcast but i mean probably nothing that anybody that listens to monster kid radio is not used to because sometimes sometimes you come out with some long ones also so this episode won't be very long (laughs) but this is the outlier and then after that we have the ron perlman inter so we're starting off year two with um a bang and then i got alistair hughes coming in to join us to talk about oh you're gonna love this Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. Heck yeah. And you got to put the sting in there if you got it. <laughs> so those are our first three episodes out of the out of the gate for year two, and which will be starting to drop this month as soon as Ben is able to get back to editing. School first, editing second. Got to have your priorities. Sure, sure. And I'm assuming that when you had Ron Perlman on, you, you had a chance to talk to him about his involvement with Conan, right? No, actually, we only got... I, mean, I know, career, I his, know. I, you, you and I have talked off mic, I, I know. know. But I'm just saying, his career is so long that this is only part one of the interview. Next year, we'll be doing his part two. We haven't recorded yet. Yeah, because I remember back in 2005, he was uh, going to do an animated Conan. Yeah, but he, he was the dad in the... Um, the father of Conan. I don't. I don't. In the. Uh, in, I don't think about that one. In the Conan Wolverine, um, that came out of um, Jason Momoa. Yeah, I don't. I don't think about that. Oh, one. you don't think about that one. Okay, you're entire. I mean, I, I think about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not the worst film Ron Perlman's ever been in. How, how did we get back to talking Conan? We we gotta we gotta get this Conan out of our system. Let's make sure we knock that out of the park early part of next year. Okay. Oh yes, yes. We gotta scratch that Conan itch. My mighty thews are itching. Some would say we might have to destroy it. <laughs> oh boy. 
Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling Saturday Morning brings you comedy thrills with Frankenstein, Dracula, and Wolfman on Monster Squad. Coming up next. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Like I said, I know it's a little bit shorter than normal, but I didn't want to leave you guys and gals hanging without an episode this week, especially during the month of Halloween, October, the most glorious, the best time of the the whole... I am so out of it right now. I'm actually trying to get through this as quickly as I can because my internet provider has been doing a lot of testing and upgrading in the evening when I normally upload the show. So I want to get this edited and out quickly. So I'm going to refer you to monsterkidradio.net to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Read it between episodes or even while you'll, you know how I do. Check out the website. You're going to find links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Twitter. You're going to find links to that Monos Returns, links to what Mark's up to, links to what Dr. Tongue is up to. We'll even make sure there's a link to Steve's podcast, the Diecast Movie Podcast. I also want to let you know that this weekend in the Monster Kid Movie Club, we've got something special planned because director Ansel Farage is going to be there to show his film, Loon Lake just hit its one year anniversary of, of its premiere. And I'm really excited that Ansel is going to bring it to the clubhouse for us all to watch. And he's not going to be by himself. He's bringing a couple of his actors as well. They're going to be in the chat room too. And we're going to have some special features, some surprises. I'm really excited for this. Please come over to the Monster Kid Movie Club at monsterkidmovie.club on Saturday. Now, we start the pre-show around 11 a.m. Pacific, and then the movies themselves start in earnest around noon, again, Pacific. Now, this week, I can tell you that we're going to be doing the final three chapters of The Return of Chandu serial. So you get up to about an hour and a half-ish of Bela Lugosi. Then we're going to do all the Loon Lake and Ansel Farage stuff. And if there's any more time after that, we'll do something else. But please make sure you come by. If you are on Facebook, you know that I always set up an event page, usually the day before. I need to get better about that, where I'll post even more information. And once I get the schedule figured out, I'll post it there as well. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be a really, really good time. What's coming up next week? I have no idea because like I said, I'm fighting with my computer. I don't know where these files are and I could be in trouble. I may have to just wing it again next week, but I really, really hope I don't have to, especially once again, it is the month of October and we got to be doing something special this month. We have to, we have to like the final week of October being a bunch of movies being shown in the monster kid movie club, as well as old time radio and a bunch of other things that I've got in the works. I hope I can get it figured out in time. We're running out of time. Speaking of which, that's the end of this episode. Monster Kid Radio is the registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. I didn't mention this at the beginning of the show, but I should mention it now. The song you heard at the beginning and the song that you're about to hear in its entirety in a moment is Grave Dance. It is the new song from the band Beware of Blast. Now, they're based out of Cologne, Germany, but you can find them online at bewareofblast.bandcamp.com. This is a new single release. It just came out last week. I've played it, well, a lot, because I really like it. Beware of Blast. Top-notch stuff. I hope you enjoy it. The song is, of course, copyright 2020. Beware of Blast. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.